welcome to the Sensual Artistry Podcast, exploring erotic awakenings and liberated love. I'm your host, Luna Agnea, essential arts and intimacy facilitator, relationship coach, tantrika, and artist with a passion for the path of liberation through love. In this podcast, you will receive firsthand stories of sacred erotic awakenings, transformational experiences, and love that goes beyond limits. This podcast is here to inspire, educate, and awaken your own sensual artist, because when you liberate your eros, you liberate your life. Welcome back, everyone. So it's that time of year in Scorpio season in November that I start sharing about the magic of shadow work. And I figured I would just do a shadow work 101 podcast for those of you that maybe have heard the word, don't know so much about it. You're curious. Um, maybe you've never heard of it before and you're just coming across this somehow and you're like, sounds interesting. So yeah, hopefully you find some interesting info and I'll try to uh, share some personal stories too because they're always fun. So what is shadow work? Um, the term shadow work really comes from Jungian psychotherapy. So there's the shadow also known as id, the shadow aspect or the shadow archetype. And it's either a unconscious aspect of the personality that the conscious ego does not identify in itself or the entirety of the unconscious. So anything at all that someone is not fully conscious of. Um, so the shadow is the unknown side of anything. Um, and we have kind of collective shadow and personal shadow. So it's a pretty broad term, actually. It can refer to a lot of different things. So a lot of people can get confused around the term shadow work and shadow integration because some people use it totally differently. Like some people, when they're talking about shadow work, will be talking about kind of evil or dark things, Um you know, really referring to it as this kind of, yeah, like there's the good and the light and then there's the bad and the shadow. And when I'm talking about shadow work and for a lot of us um, that are from more of the like non-duality side of things, then we don't consider it that. And actually there can be lots of um, things that are considered to be positive traits that could be part of your shadow. So when we're talking about the unconscious aspects of the personality that the conscious ego doesn't identify with, this can be things that as a child maybe um, it got suppressed or our families didn't like certain personality traits. So if you had parents that were really strict and they wanted their kids to be really quiet and well-behaved because, you know, that's what was expected of their children, then the kids are going to learn to cut off their confident, outgoing, bubbly, talkative part of their personality um, because we all have all these different aspects within us you know we all have the kind of shy quiet aspects as well as the loud bubbly parts um, most people when they are an integrated person they'll be able to fluidly switch between a lot of different personality characteristics and you might be in particular more of an extroverted um, go-getter person but you'd still have the capability to be 
you know, more shy or held back or withdrawn um, if you, you know, are an integrated kind of person. Um, But some people, they completely have cut off these aspects and they don't associate with them at all. So, you know, if you grew up being yeah very strict and serious and quiet then you might completely think that you are not um, a bubbly fun loud person and you wouldn't have explored that part of your personality because doing so would have made you rejected by your family which is unsafe because you know if your parents reject you and you're a child then you can die like you're reliant on them for food and shelter and all that kind of stuff so it's really uh, a good intelligent coping mechanism really like to protect yourself you cut off parts of your personality and you just be a the person that is going to most serve your community um most appease your parents or something like that unless you're a total rebel but you know this is just the general thing that happens so then this person that shut off their bubbly confidence side, they might then get very triggered by people that are very bubbly and confident. So they might find them really annoying. They might find them really judging these people. Um, And something that also can happen is that they'll find themselves particularly attracted to it. So particularly in like romantic situations and that person might be really um, turned on and drawn towards people that embody that aspect of themselves that they shut off. Because there's this part of them that wants to come into wholeness if they're uh, feeling pulled towards it or if they're rejecting it, it's because of this deep down coping mechanism that has said being bubbly and talkative and loud is dangerous and it's a bad thing. So when you see someone doing that, then you get triggered, you get annoyed, you do what's called projection. You project on that person, um, you you know judge them or uh, assume things about them based on that personality trait. So the idea of shadow work is to start to explore these different triggers or things that we might be drawn to in a way that we can't really understand and explain. And we start to see like, okay, like, is there a part of me that actually wants to express this energy or this um, personality trait or whatever it is? And then we start to give ourselves permission, figure out what do we need to feel to be safe to explore this, uh, get to know the piece, get curious and start to find ways to yeah, express that part of us so that we can come into integration and wholeness. And, you know, sometimes you might just explore it a little bit, um, discharge like the energy around it. So, you know, that you're not getting triggered by people that are loud, but you're still like, yeah, I'm not really a loud person, but I'm not like annoyed by people that are like that anymore. (laughs) I can accept them and welcome them and just know that that's not part of me. So sometimes it'll just kind of neutralize the experience, but sometimes you'll actually find like, wow, like I'm a whole different person than I thought I was. And now, you know, I'm much more confident and outspoken and I have a lot more friends and, you know, really reclaim that energy because that is your true authentic nature that you just had to cut off. So it's really powerful work uh, being able to do this because you're really starting to uncover what is your genuine, authentic expression of you as a person, which is the whole goal of 
personal development, um, self-help, self-love, uh, even the spiritual path is about coming into wholeness. It's about uniting all these fragmented aspects of ourselves that have, you know, been shut down because of things in our culture, our families or whatever. So, you know, learning to unite this and be your full total self so that you can come into deep self-love and peace and all that good stuff. So yeah, anything can be a shadow aspect. It can be really positive traits. It can also be things that people do consider to be negative. Um, you know, like a lot of people, it's kind of reclaiming um, the the inner wildness or the inner killer or um, the part of them that, you know, maybe does want to have power over people, maybe does want to inflict pain or something. And the thing is, if we reject and push these parts away, then they can come out in, you know, these shadowy, um, unconscious ways. So we might unintentionally be inflicting pain on people in our life. We might be unconsciously playing into weird power dynamics without our awareness and without really choosing to, but we're just going into these patterns, um, because there's this aspect of us that's not in our conscious awareness, but is there like living in us and acting out in these different ways. So, you know, these kind of parts can then especially start showing up in romantic relationships. So if you find that you have this pattern where you're always falling for the same kind of person, it's always having the same result and you don't know why you keep always ending up with the person that does this thing. Um, it's usually going to be a reflection of some kind of shadow piece. So when you explore it, then you can finally break all these annoying patterns and find a partner that actually is in more alignment with the person that you want to be with and who you want to be. So lots and lots and lots of reasons to want to do shadow work. Um, and yeah, so there's also this collective shadow. So when we talk about collective shadow, it's stuff that just like as a culture and society, we don't really talk about, we kind of try to ignore or push to the side. So obviously sex is a big one money and power, um, and death. So a lot of these things that are considered taboo, these are the kind of topics that, you know, it's a essential part of the human experience, but people try to just ignore it and push it away and avoid conversations about it, um, ban it online, censor it, whatever they can do so that people don't have to confront this aspect of reality that brings fear or makes them feel shame. So there's also, yeah, work to do in shadow work that is looking at kind of these collective archetypal energies and these different patterns um, that show up beyond the individual self. So that's, yeah, also another big part of shadow work and why people work with archetypes. So archetypes are like kind of these characters, if you're not really aware with it. Um, so something like the lover or the warrior or um, the fool or the joker and stuff like these show up in fables and storytelling and kind of ideas uh, in a lot of different cultures. So they're considered to be archetypal energies, like that there's this kind of, yeah, typical type of person that 
aligns with that, you know, the lover or the warrior or whatever. So when you think of that archetype, then you can kind of pull this idea of this type of person to your mind. So yeah, archetypes, collective, another part of shadow work, but the work I do is mostly focused on the personal shadow because this is, yeah, a really amazing work for people to be able to do and to be able to look at. So when I first really consciously started doing shadow work, it was during my sex love relationship coaching training. And it was really interesting to see one of the main pieces that came up for me and, you know, ongoing since then, I've discovered more and more pieces all the time because it's an ongoing journey. And once you learn the tools, how to work with shadow work, then you can just continuously observe new pieces as they show up through your life. But one that I was really surprised that I had when I was doing this guided shadow work, um, kind of meditation, it's almost like a hypnosis and, yeah, this piece that came up was actually my romantic side. So what had happened was growing up, I didn't actually really have any relationships or anyone interested in me. I was, you know, really tall, taller than all the boys in my age group. And, you know, I had quite severe acne and I was a nerd and, you know, so I just didn't really have any relationships. And uh, most of my first sexual encounters were actually quite traumatic and not fully consensual and things like that. And I kind of got into the punk metalhead scene and part of that scene can be really like, fuck romance, all that hallmark bullshit. Um, you don't need love. It's all fake. It's all fairy tale romance. And yeah, so I, because I wasn't getting any attention, um, you know, I had this deep craving like all young people to want to be desired and flirted with and be seen as attractive. And I wasn't, um, at that point in time. And yeah, so I just shut off this romantic side and I really thought of myself as someone that didn't like romance, didn't like flirting. And that was part of my psyche's way of, um, protecting myself and keeping me safe. Cause if I constantly was pining over wanting romance and not having that met, then that was really painful. So it was easier to just create an identity where I wasn't that kind of person and I didn't need that. And that was lame and stupid and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I spent all my early 20s even still carrying this identity thinking that I wasn't a romantic that I thought it was all stupid you know I was even doing photo shoots like anti-valentine's day photo shoots which is funny because my birthday's on valentine's day um, which all made the whole shadow piece even more hilarious in a way and yeah so I went down into the shadows and found this piece that was really sweet and romantic and really wanted to be romance and really wanted to be taken care of. And it was really interesting to feel into that piece and to give it space and to listen to the wisdom that it has and to invite it into my heart and into my being. And, you know, since then I was really able to open to desiring more romance in my life and recognizing that actually I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic in ways. 
And yeah, I got to finally let go of this story that I was like this, you know, too cool for romance kind of person. And I got to have much more cuteness and love and bliss and all these good things in my life because of that. So that's just one example. And there are also interesting elements kind of linked to that where there's this part of me that really missed um, and wanted to be cared for. Um, you know, my parents were very busy. They had to work a lot to take care of all three of us kids. And I, you know, often had to take care of myself. And when I got really bad chronic illness when I was a teenager and had to drop out of school, I was just by myself all day, every day. and didn't have anyone to properly take care of me. So yeah, I really had this piece around that. I got really triggered by people that needed care and I considered to be needy. Um, I created this like hyper-independence personality and yeah, then I started to really see eventually that I kept creating these situations in my life where I was forced to be cared for, um, where I was constantly getting injured and sick and I don't know, just things happening where I would end up, you know, having no choice, but to (laughs) be cared for and, you know, against all of my conscious will. And I started actually noticing the connection between that and some of my BDSM desires. So in the kink world, I was very into like submission, really liked kitten play and being like the pet and being taken care of. And I started to see parallels when doing shadow work of seeing like, oh, this part of me that wants to be cared for shows up in some of my sexual fetishes and desires for kink play, as well as showing up in these unconscious patterns of ending up in situations where I have no choice but to be cared for and the way that I would get annoyed at other people that, you know, seem to be needy and, you know, just connecting all these dots and being like, oh, wow, <laughs> like, this is definitely a piece. And then I started integrating more being cared for in my life and, you know, sharing when I need some care and asking for help when I need it. And I actually found that, yeah, these like the kink side of it and stuff started to dissolve actually because it seemed to be this desire that was really linked to this unmet need for care and this unmet part of my personality. So when that started to become more conscious and more aware and more part of my day-to-day life, then this charge around it and this excitement around it actually kind of fizzled out. And, you know, I can still play with that and, you know, think of it as like a fun thing to do, but it's not this grasping and not this feeling of like, oh, I need that or I'm going to be, you know, really unhappy or uncomfortable. Like you know, previously that just being this really weird tension around it. So yeah, just, you know, to round that up that, <laughs> These, these pieces can really impact deep parts of your life and they can really draw you into weird scenarios and situations if you're not aware of them. And as soon as you start to get used to picking up these shadow pieces, then you start to see them everywhere. Some of them will just be so small and tiny. Some of them will be like really big core things that like exploring it will totally change the way that you relate with people and your life. So yeah, it's definitely worth doing it. So 
some of you are probably now thinking like, okay, well, what do you do to do shadow work? Like there's a lot of different techniques and different kind of tools for it. There's some that are, you know, cognitive mind-based things like doing inquiry work, which is where you're questioning your thoughts and your beliefs and turning them around and seeing if the opposite could be just as true. And, uh, you know, always really questioning, like, is this true? Can I pr prove that it's true? So these kind of processes are really good for exploring some of these narratives and stories that we carry around, like who we are and what we think about other people. There's processes like what I am going to go through in my free webinar coming up and what I do a lot of in my shadow work course is aspecting, uh, which comes from, I don't know if it originally came from gestalt therapy, but that's what it's kind of known for where you have pillows set out and you kind of sit on one pillow and imagine that part of your psyche kind of coming out onto the other pillow and then you engage in a dialogue with it where you you know talk to this piece and then you become it and talk back to yourself and it's a really interesting process because all kinds of things come out when you start to actually create a dialogue with that part of you there's also things like doing rituals. So um, if, you know, you want to claim your power side, if you've really denied your power your whole life and shut off that part and you want to reclaim your power, then you can create a ritual and do some kind of ritualistic practice where you're working with power. Um, you know, kink, as I mentioned, can be a really powerful type of shadow work. So maybe it's engaging with someone else in a power dynamic where you're really claiming this power and having power over someone in a consensual way that can help meet that need for feeling power. And yeah, there's a whole bunch of other different types of practices out there. I really like adding embodiment to it because embodiment practices are about not just being in the mind, but being in the body, working with the nervous system, which is really important for creating that deep change. It's like training your nervous system to know that it's safe to explore these different aspects of yourself um, and it also helps for releasing trauma and for just bringing pleasure and enjoyment in so that we're not just all up in our heads all day we want to also be in our bodies and release this kind of stuff from the body because a lot of our past and our stories and our identities are stored um, in the body and not just in the mind so lots of different types of practice um, a lot of this is really good to do one-on-one -on -one with someone if you can. Um, so I do a lot of shadow work in my coaching with people. Um, I don't always just call it shadow work and, you know, we don't talk about it being a shadow work process, but a lot of the things that I do and even in my workshops and retreats, like we do a lot of shadow work without it, you know, being specifically <laughs> focused on that, but yeah. So lots of different things that you can do. Hopefully this has yeah, given you a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of insight. If you want to know more and you want to try out a shadow work process, then definitely come to my free webinar. Uh, if you can't make it live, there'll be a replay as well. And we're going to go through one of these aspecting shadow processes in a little ritualistic container. So it'll be about yeah, trying to get into communion with one of these shadow pieces and shadow parts of you and exploring what happens when you create that dialogue and integrate that uh, while bringing the body in. So yeah, if you want to try it out, give it a go. And yeah, if you're really curious and wanting to dive deep in the shadow work, then shadow self-worship is where it's at. Um, it, 
I originally last year did it as a 12 week journey, but decided to change it to six months. There's six modules. So I decided to do one per month because shadow work can get pretty intense and there's a lot of content in the course. I really like went all out with like all these different lectures per module and three different practices for every module as well as journaling. And I was like, okay, maybe this is a bit uh, heavy to do so much of it um, in a shorter period of time. So we've spread it out so that you get just a little bit of a focus each month. You have a few practices per month to try out and to just start to explore all these different aspects of your psyche and learn to understand yourself more. Um, and yeah, we go into things like attachment trauma and ancestral trauma and archetypes, death, sex, power, money, all these kind of topics. So we really cover a whole bunch of different types of things that affect you in your life. So it's a pretty broad course. It's really comprehensive. Um, one of my students last year was saying like, oh, you know, because it said Tantra, I was kind of expecting it to be a bit more sexual. Um, and, you know, we did have sexual practices, but it's like, I didn't realize it was like going through psychotherapy and, you know, ending up like feeling, you know, like I've healed a bunch of trauma. Um, so yeah, it's a really powerful course. It's some of the most you know, deep and intense work that I'll do with people out of a one-on-one -on -one container. So if you're curious, check it out. Um, if you do want to work one-on-one, -on -one, then you can also contact me. Um, it's really good to do this stuff with support because also, you know, when you're doing shadow work with a professional, then we're able to see your blind spots a lot more. Um, you might not always be able to get to some of these sticky points yourself. And it's just really powerful to be witnessed in the process as well. So you can always um, reach out if you'd also like to just do some focus work with me. But I hope this, yeah, inspires you. And if you want to know more, come join me for the webinar. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and found it inspiring. You can connect with me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and through my website, sensualartistry.com and sensualarts.school, where you can get some freebies and sign up to my mailing list to stay in touch. Hope to see you again soon.